This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome to another episode of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan here with you. We're recording this on a weekend and uh, we'll be posting this uh, very shortly for you. This episode, Matt, is going to focus on three topics. Number one, a, an interesting talker I just happened to think of for the Minnesota Twins. Then we will move on to some huge news recently about my USC Trojans and the hated UCLA Bruins moving to the Big Ten in a couple of years. And then we'll finish up with some Wolves and Rudy Gobert talk, if anyone hasn't heard the big news there, <laughs> which they, I say sarcastically, of course, uh, that was the big, right before July 4th, the big move for the Minnesota Timberwolves to bring in the Stifle Tower, as he's, as he's known in some uh, NBA circles. So we'll get into all of that, but uh, first, Matt, uh, welcome. Uh, happy recovery from COVID. I know you uh, were uh, going through the brunt of that, as uh, most, if not all of us have uh, by now, but uh, happy to, uh, to have you back uh, close to 100%. Thank you. I, survived. I uh, made it two and a half years without getting it, and it finally uh, put me down for the count, but uh, uh, lots of exciting uh, sports news going on. So That's it's, impressive, it's, uh, and you, you weren't in bubble wrap for those two and a half years either. So uh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's get into this first Twins talker. I was just thinking about this as I sat down to watch the game today, which I am, but we, we won't bother you with the, the details of that, seeing as this will be released after the game I'm watching here on this Saturday. But the thought crossed my mind, and, and we were just talking off air. We both agree that Louis Arise is the MVP of this Twins team right now. He's leading the league in hitting by over 20 points, but it's not just batting average, it's on base percentage. He's got some sneaky added power this year as well. Um, so not just home runs, but some doubles. Uh, and his energy and the ability to move around the diamond defensively, I mean, he just does it all, all right? So he is without question the MVP of this team right now. But the question, the talker is, who has been more valuable to this Minnesota Twins team, Byron Buxton or Carlos Correa? Uh, Correa, a former MVP, um, a world champion who came to this team unexpectedly in the offseason, and Buxton, of course, the lifelong twin who was signed to the big extension before the year. But there's been issues with staying on the field. There's been issues with his knee. How serious is the injury? He's DH'd a ton. Correa's missed a little time after he got hit in the, the wrist earlier this year, but avoided a long IL stint. And is having an overall good year. And Buxton, although the average is down, his slugging is really high. His home runs are really high. Plays elite defense when he does play out there. So, it's an interesting question. I'll throw it to you first, Matt. Off the top of your head, or you've now had some time to think after my ramble. What do you what do you think? Buxton or Correa? Who's been the more valuable member to this twins team so far? I think so far it's Byron Buxton. I think he, you know, the, the homers have been there. 
when he is in the field, the defense has been there. Um, he, so far, aside from Mariah's, how Byron Buxton goes, the Twins go. When he's hitting home runs, when he, you know, when his he is actually getting hits, you know, you touched on the average there um, and the inconsistency. He's been a little Miguel Sano-like in terms of the up and down home run and kind of, you know, or strike out and 0 for 4. Um, but when he's performed, the Twins usually win. When he doesn't, the Twins usually lose. So, you know, when he is on a streak uh, that usually bodes well for them, and when he's not, um, you know, it doesn't. I, I think over the, the long run of this season, Correa is going to be more important. I, you know, he had some injuries, obviously, in the, in the COVID that he was dealing with, you know, on the first half. But I think that his leadership um, has been huge for this team. And they, they early on with him felt like a different team. Uh, I think because of his experience, uh, you know, of winning the World Series and being in the playoffs and being an MVP and all of that. So I think from over the long run, I think he is more important to that team. Um, and he's gotten better after he started slow. And I think he's going to be the one that can help pick up the rest of the team um the rest of the season if they're you know if they're gonna make some moves here to to win the division and actually do something in the playoffs so i I, i'm hedging my bets here a little bit but i think that oh oh, thus far it's buxton but i think over the long term over the life of the season it's correa yeah by the way i do want to correct something uh he he has he is not a former mvp my my apologies he didn't win an MVP. He was fifth in the voting, though, last year and an All-Star. He is a two-time All-Star. He was Rookie of the Year, and we know he's a world champion. And I think you hit on it why I would lean Correa. It's because of the, the leadership and the intangibles and the durability. You know Carlos Correa is going to be out there every day. In the field, at the plate. I mean, he, he missed a little time with the wrist injury, but the guy wants to play every day. I'm not saying Byron Buxton doesn't want to, but just because of the injury history and then we don't know how serious this knee thing is, here's what we do know, though. Is the Twins have said multiple times an IL stint would not help Buxton. That would not make it so that he's playing more, either defensively or just overall. He's still going to have to get his off days. They've got this plan to get him to the postseason. And I understand that. I think a huge frustration of Twins fans is not just in the organization, more than fans. The, The frustration isn't just that he has been hurt. It's that he's been hurt in key times. He hasn't been able to participate in the postseason. In 2017, in the wild card game, he did participate, and that was his best year as far as health, 140-plus games, and was 29 out of 30 stealing bases. And I'll get to that in a minute, by the way. The, the thing that year was he got hurt in the wild card game. He slammed into the wall, making a catch, and to leave the game at Yankee Stadium. And then in 2019, he didn't play in the postseason. 2020, he was concussed. He had been hit 
in the head by a pitch, no fault of his own, a couple days before the end of the regular season in that COVID year. And then he got picked off of first base when he seemed not all there due to the concussion in the game he played in and pinch ran in in game two of being swept in two games by the Astros. That's been his postseason experience with the Minnesota Twins. It hasn't been very extensive. And the Twins overall hasn't been very extensive, but they haven't had Buxton for most of that. So I think they want to get him there. And they think an IL stint would not help. Now, do we know that for sure? No. But I guess all we can do is trust the medical people because neither you nor I is smart enough or knows the extent of the injury enough to know if that's really the case. So my amateur opinion would be put him on there for two weeks. This is a weak division. You can survive without him for a couple of weeks and see if it might help. Because here's the thing. He is home runner bus right now. Literally, literally the, the number of doubles. Let me see how many doubles he has. He has 11 doubles on the whole year, 23 homers, 43 RBIs. So think about it this way. He's driven in himself 23 times this year. He's driven in others 20 times. That's, and part of that is like he hit at the top of the order, number one in the order for a long time. But like that is alarming to say the least. His batting average is closer to 200 than 300. His on-base percentage is under 300. That's he's had some, yeah, that, that's really bad. Not just for Buxton, period. Now he gets away with it because of the 23 homers. But also, let's look at the stolen bases. I mentioned 29 of 30 in 2017. Like every time he got on first base, even if he didn't attempt to steal, he was in the pitcher's mind. Now, he's not. He's two for two attempting to steal this year. So that's just out of his game. Now, the defense is still there, but but he has DH'd 24 times while playing 45 games in center field. So, so what is that? Like almost two-thirds of the time, he's in center field. A third of the time, he's DH'ing. That's, that's a lot of DH'ing. That's a lot. That's not just like once in a while. He'll do it back-to-back games sometimes. So I don't know. It's just concerning. It's concerning because the knee injury is a little more serious, I think, than than the Twins are letting on. He's able to fight through it, but at what cost? So I say put him on the IL, see if that helps. But right now he is totally homer or bust, and I don't want to discount it. Some of those homers have been huge, huge homers. And when he has been in center field, he's made some huge, huge catches. But if you're talking between him and Correa, and also Correa, the more natural leader, playing a premium position in shortstop consistently and excellently. Yeah, he's he been a very platinum, good. Platinum glove winner last year, and he may get one again because he's been amazing. You watch him every day. Corey Provost made this point on the radio uh, recently on, on WCCO. The you you watch him six times a year when the twins would play the Astros, you gain an appreciation. You really appreciate it when you watch it every single day, as Corey does and, and Dan Gladden does and the other the other media. 
and, and fans who watch all the games. He's fantastic with the glove, just fantastic. So I think it is Correa. And, and unfortunately, this health stuff with Buxton, it's going to be an issue, I think, for the, the duration of his, his time with the Minnesota Twins. It just is. I, I hope it isn't. I, I agree that I do wonder, um, without being a medical expert, if they should have rested him for a little bit. Um, because something is clearly a little off and it is they still can try it. Yeah. Um, and it, it clearly is contributing to the boomer bust and you're right. Like uh, his home runs have come you often at opportune times and they've come in bunches. And that is why, you know, he, the twins success has been so tied to his performance so far this year. Um, but it, it, he needs to be, you know, less boomer bust. He needs to be getting on base more. He does need to, you know, be healthy and try and steal more and 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 hitting for doubles rather than just home runs. I I think that all of that has been lacking and has, you know, in part contributed to the boomer bust nature of this team offensively. And it's a problem. And I do think that that's why I think over the long run that Correa can help settle this shit, you know, uh, steer the ship in a more successful way than Buxton might be able to, um, um, you know, but there's no doubt if if Buxton can get healthy and he can get on base more and be less boomer bust, you know, he's a phenomenal player. He's an MVP Um, caliber player. I totally agree. At his best, he's an MVP caliber player. Not that Correa isn't. But Buxton has more natural tools than Correa. If they're both healthy, they're both. But that's just not. Sadly, that's not. That is, that is an unrealistic scenario, especially the remainder of this year when he has this knee injury. It just is. So, you hope they get to the playoffs. Number one, which is not a sure thing, but you hope they get to the playoffs, and you hope they get there with a healthy Buxton, a healthy Correa, and some others who have been hurt, by the way, as well. Sonny Gray, we can get into the pitching stuff another time, but we are going to, uh, we're going to move on though for now, if that's all right. The the, uh, intense twins conversation is going to come your way in the next episode. We are going to have Nash Walker, who I think follows the twins more closely than anybody except who's traveling with the team on a daily basis because he is locked in. He actually has a, a podcast called Locked on Twins, so He's literally locked in, and uh, this dude's amazing. We'll let you tell. Uh, we'll let him tell his uh, his story as we like to do with our first time guests next time. So excited for that, uh, Nash! You'll, you'll, you guys all will enjoy him. Now, on to this next story, and Matt, this is I, I know it involves my alma mater, but it involves I think your favorite thing, which is college football. Uh, and it may involve your Notre Dame fighting Irish, but uh, for now, it's USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. I am a Trojan alum, and this was unbelievable. I mean, this kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, There was no, they did a good job keeping it under wraps. Kudos to the reporter who broke the news. I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, huge, huge news, and I think my reaction was twofold. One, I'm excited. I, well, actually threefold. One, 
I'm really excited to see the Trojans in Minnesota and the surrounding Midwest area more as somebody who's living here now. Two, I don't really like super conferences, but it's kind of the way of the world. Three, the Pac-12 is run absolutely horribly and caused this to happen. They had an opportunity to, to, uh, to make a super conference. They turned it down. You have all the details on that. The, the other thing is their TV deal is horrible. The Pac-12 network is horrible. No one knows what channel it's on. Half the people don't get it, even if they're in Pac-12 markets. Uh, the broadcasters are, for the most part, bad. Everything is bad. All you need to know is when this news came down, the Big Ten Network was there with live coverage in their studio of the news. The Pac-12 Network was showing an old rerun volleyball game. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, can't even have live coverage when your premier football program, USC, is leaving the Pac-12. And your premier basketball program, UCLA. Yeah, remember John Wooden? Yeah him his school they're gone so it, it is disastrous for the pac-12 but uh, a really big coup for the for the big 10 and the rich get richer what was your what was your initial thoughts well first off to that point the pac-12 and acc screwed themselves they should have agreed to the playoff expansion uh the playoff as it's currently set up is um, the contract comes to an end, I believe, in 2026. They thought that it would hurt them uh, by expanding the playoff because it would give the Big Ten and the SEC a greater chance to get multiple teams in. Uh, but in doing so, they signed their death warrant. Um, and, and it was a gigantic mix mistake from poorly run conferences. And the Big 12, you can add them in there as a poorly run conference. Uh, the, you might not like the super conferences, but they are happening. Um, the Big 10 now stretches from New Jersey to L.A. We have our first truly national conference uh, in all of the time zones. And that is a big deal from a recruiting standpoint, from a money standpoint, from a TV viewership over hours and hours and programming standpoint, it, it's big from an Olympic uh, sports perspective. Um, they're just, it, it is a big move for the Big Ten. Um, and it's, and I know we talked about this offline, the biggest winners in this movement are what I would call sort of the little sisters of the poor. Um, that includes the Gophers, because if you were starting a super conference from ground zero, our University of Minnesota Golden Gophers would not sniff being in a super conference. Northwestern would not be a part of it. Illinois would not be a part of it. IU, Indiana would not be a part of it. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, a lot of these schools, Mississippi State, would arguably not be in these super conferences. The metaphor I have used is they happen to be the kid that's friends, best friends with the jock. And they got invited to the cool kid limo because 
they just happen to be friends with the right people. In this case, it's friends with Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, et cetera. And now you've had, added some additional cool kids to the limo in USC. USC. is in the cool kids. USC is in yep. the cool kids. Exactly. Uh, so I think that that is it, it, good on the Gophers. The, their program is going to do better recruiting-wise, money-wise, you know, and in other sports because of the movement to super conferences. And so I think that it, it's going to be a boon to them. Uh, the last thing I think in touching on um, my alma mater and where it fits into this, I think it is only a matter of time before Notre Dame gives up independence and joins most likely the Big Ten. Uh, it's just the rich, as you said, are going to get richer. Uh, they've sacrificed financially to remain independent because they valued the television deal with NBC because they valued playing a national schedule from a recruiting standpoint and being in a conference wouldn't allow them to do that. Um, and they still had a path to the playoff. But I think what is very clear is that the Big Ten and the SEC eventually are going to create their own playoff structure. They are moving to national conferences and that Notre Dame is the crown jewel from a TV viewership standpoint, from a brand standpoint, from a money standpoint, from a football quality program standpoint over the last 10 years. They to be added to a potential conference and the money and the access to the playoff are going to go away unless they join a conference. And now they have the ability to join a national spread conference um, in the big 10 with this addition and that they still might be able to use their leverage and negotiate maintaining the NBC contract as part of it. So, and when that happens, that will officially mark the super conference era beginning and the, a bunch of teams being left out because they just can't find their way in because they don't bring enough to the table from a football viewership standpoint, because that's, what's driving this, not basketball, not any other sports. No, it's no. football. But there are some cool, it will be cool. I'm pumped as a college basketball guy, a little more so than college football, although Lincoln Riley is going to uh, to bring my college football fandom back. Um, I think uh, seeing the Gophers in the barn, or seeing the Gophers in the barn, the Trojans in the barn every so often is going to be awesome. I'm really excited to see the Trojans play Michigan State and Ohio State. Michigan in football and basketball, Indiana in basketball. I'm ecstatic. And the game times. The game times will be much, much better. Earth to the Pac-12. There's USC Trojans fans and US, UCLA Bruins fans nationwide. More so USC because it's they, they draw in more out-of-state kids. It's not a state school. So they have half their half their uh Students are from out of state. They have a lot of international kids. I mean, they, they USC alums are all over the nation, just like Notre Dame. I, uh, that is interesting you say. They may be able to maintain the NBC contract. We'll have to talk more about the details there. But I think Brady Quinn made a really good point. Heard him on recently. And Brady Quinn, a Notre Dame alum, uh, and a great college football analyst, I'll say. 
he said, you know, Notre Dame doesn't have to make this decision until the current deal with NBC runs its course. I think it runs out after 2025. They might have to beforehand, though, you know, at least wink, wink, because the Big Ten needs to make its plans. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. And I think, too, the last point on this, the once they add more West Coast teams, they'll be able to create a division of a lot of West Coast teams. You might see Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten. There's there's a there's a there's a chance. So uh we'll my we'll last, see we'll see there. Yeah, go ahead. My last point on this and then we can switch our final topic is I'm really interested in seeing how do existing rivalries play into how these additional teams are added? Does Oregon have to come with Washington? Does North Carolina have to bring along Duke? Does Notre Dame have to bring along Stanford? Or do these conferences and these teams say, I don't care. It's not important. We don't care. Like Duke doesn't bring anything to the table on football. Sorry, Duke UNC basketball. And which is the best example to me of how problematic this could be, let alone an Oregon and Oregon State or, you know, those, those in-state rivals. Oregon's that- a good catch. Uh, as the, I, and I don't think they have to come with anyone. I mean, they, they have their Civil War game against Oregon State. They could let that go by the wayside. I mean, that is, that is such a regional thing. Uh, I know it's, it's cool up there, but that is not. Uh, or Oregon with Phil Knight money. I mean, they've got to be in the ball game. You, you feel like they, they do not want to be the ones left out. And that is a premier program, as much as I hate them, I have to say. That is a fantastic program. Great atmosphere up there. You would get, it, it, it would be amazing to see games in Eugene against Michigan, against Ohio State. That, that would be awesome. Or wherever, whatever conference they end up in. So you also need some more West Coast teams to make it yes, work a little Yes. Better. And you want to see USC Oregon stay because that's a yeah. great football rivalry. So. Um, I also think last thing quick, it'll help USC's and UCLA's recruiting to have more games in the central time zone. They can go more in to Chicago for basketball. They can go more into Texas. They can go more into even New York for basketball and football uh, and the South, because you can say, Hey, we'll be coming here every so often. You can come see your kid. You can come to the nice weather. And at the very least they'll be on TV before you go to bed. So <laughs> watch out because USC football is already going to be uh, on the rise. Their basketball program under Andy Enfield has done very well. So the rich do get richer. And I think that doesn't just include the big 10 as a whole kudos to Kevin Warren, by the way, former Vikings COO in securing those two huge brands out of Los Angeles and into the big 10 last thing very quickly. Then we have to go wolves got Rudy Gobert. They gave up a lot, a lot of draft picks mainly. But they did it, in my opinion, very smartly without giving up one of their three kind of core guys right now, Edwards, Cat, and the emerging Jaden McDaniels. And everybody wanted Jaden McDaniels. You talked to the Wolves. You were talking about Jaden McDaniels. And Utah, I, I have no doubt, wanted him. And the Wolves may have had to throw in a couple additional first-round picks. But they said, you know what? Whoever this kid is in fifth grade in 2029 that we might take, screw it. We're getting the best defensive player in the NBA of his generation, really. Three-time defensive player of the year. 
a difference maker who can allow Cat to go to the fore, as many of us, including uh, my, myself included, have wanted for years. And Chris Finch clearly wants that. I think Cat wants it. Delo's better with a guy who can set hard screens and roll. I think he'll have some success with Rudy. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I think the Wolves have now vaulted themselves into a true Western a top four team in the Western Conference. Not for sure, but they, they're in that conversation now, and they were not before Rudy Gobert joined the squad. Your thoughts? Man, it is um, – it's so odd as a Minnesota fan to get used to Minnesota teams making big moves, big, bold moves. We've been clamoring for it for years, um, and you've had the Twins with Correa. You've had the Wilds with Marc-Andre Fleury. You, you know, you've had the Timberwolves now, uh, you know, with Gobert. So, um, yeah, waiting on the Vikings to really, I guess, do it. But, I mean, but, they got the, – Kirk was a big move at the time. You're right. Happened. Kirk was a big move. They, they they're not – so, it's NFL. It's a little different. And the Vikings yeah. have never been afraid to make big moves with the Wolves. But – you know, now you get to see the flip side of all the, you know, not doing the money ball style around the edges and that hasn't brought us a championship. We get to see the swing for the fences style. And frankly, we're going to see more often than not that it doesn't need to see it play out. Um, and you know what? I, I mean, I, it hurts parting with Patrick Beverly because he was so important culturally to the team. And I wish there'd be a way that somehow he'd be cut and could come back and sign. You know, I think a lot of people would, but I think you're right. Not trading McDaniels, having Ant continue to emerge, having Cat in his rightful position, and having D'Lo paired with someone that fits his game better with the pick and roll situation, I think is really appealing. I, number one, I, I like the idea of challenging the status quo of the NBA and how this operates from a, we're just going to analytics tells us to jack up a bunch of threes and over time that's going to play out better than the alternative. I like the idea of improving their defense, having someone big and strong inside and having, you know, scoring more in the paint uh, and, and getting high percentage shots and, and, and creating using space better to, have D'Lo drive and kick it out to these other players. I, I think it fits the team well. I think he's a good addition. Draft picks matter the least amount, in my opinion, in the NBA than any other sport. It's so top-heavy that, you know, every once in a while, yes, there's someone later that emerges, but you don't get it. It's a superstar league, and you don't usually get a superstar outside the lottery. And so with their core, they should not be in the lottery anytime soon um prior to getting Gobert so I I'm fine even though it is an overpayment and indirectly it might have made it even harder for some of the other rich teams to get richer because they've set the cap you know the 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 return so high that you know to get someone like Durant you're gonna have to give up 15 first round picks now they wanted cat uh, they wanted cat and ant and like four first rounders uh, yeah I'm not sure I even believe that that it just was so ridiculous so yeah it, I, I like the move and I hope it I hope it then changes the trajectory of the NBA because, as you know, I hate the don't play defense, jack up threes with the. You know, it's one thing if you're Steph Curry and you can literally hit it from anywhere, but I I hate seeing these people jacking up threes that are not good at shooting threes. Yeah, but Golden State played D. Golden State played D 
in the final, like Andrew Wiggins was actually playing deep. That's the thing. You get into the playoffs, you have to play defense. Some of those finals games were in the 80s and 90s. Boston played defense. Golden State, Milwaukee won with two bigs. They went to one without Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So, like, the two big thing, it's not as foreign as you might think. Golden State is the exception, not necessarily the rule. And obviously San Antonio did it with Duncan and Robinson way back, but, but even other, other teams as well. So I think it's, it's really good. And keep in mind these, it does hurt to lose Beverly, but he was likely gone after another year and his act can sometimes wear thin, I think, and rub some people the wrong way. Leadership was great for one year, but I, I'm not that sad to see him go. I'm more sad to see like a guy like Vando go. Cause I think he, he brings a lot of energy and, and Malik Beasley can hit threes, but look at the under the radar guys they brought in. Kyle Anderson, very good signing, very very good. He can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions. Um, and then you you take a look at uh, Bryn Forbes, forty plus percent from three. They just signed Austin Rivers, very good perimeter defender. So there's uh, Tim Conley under the radar. Of course, everyone will talk about Gobert, and that is the most important move. But under the radar, he's bringing in these key glue guys, some of whom played for him in Denver in Austin Rivers, others who he has good relationships with around the league who can really round out this team nicely. And uh, they really have a chance to do some big things. Uh, Last point from you. To your point, even last year, it still felt like a collection of good pieces rather than a cohesive team with a clear vision. We'll see if the vision works out, but this team feels like with the pieces they're bringing in, um, a clear, to have a clear vision of how the pieces fit together, who's supposed to do what, who's supposed to be where. And yes, they could, you know, in the fourth quarter against a small lineup, you know, they're, they're, they need to figure out that dynamic so that Gobert and Cat are not liabilities. But I do think another underrated point is by moving Cat to the four, you might save him some fouls. You'll if get he Gobert can keep up matched. with the guys on the perimeter. Yeah. He'll yes. Gobert, he won't have to be on the inside against their biggest guy. Gobert can be that and be a shutdown. And it might free up Cat in some ways that he hasn't had to because he hasn't been in that natural four position, especially as being more of a, a strong outside shooting big man. So I do think that they, they really could fit together and, and this team could be really cohesive uh, and strong in executing the vision that the new ownership and management has. And, and I think Finch is going to do a great job with that. And so I'm excited with the direction they're headed and to see how it um, you know plays out. Last three key points. One, Gobert, his defense makes everyone else better. They, he makes everyone else's defense better. D'Lo can gamble more. Cat can go out on the perimeter. They don't feel like if they get beat off the dribble that they don't have a guy back there who can swat that crap away. Uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert is huge in that regard. N- number two, D'Lo will be the guy to watch. They're not going to trade him before the season. In fact, they need him now more so than ever, uh, at least for this season. 
but it'll be interesting. Do they give him an extension before the year? Do they wait to see how the year plays out? Uh, you know, be interesting to see how much faith do they have in D'Lo? And then if he doesn't get an extension before the year, how does he play? The last time he had that situation in Brooklyn, probably had the best year of his career. So it could be a really good situation. I think he is absolutely fired up. And the final point, kind of a little off the uh, beaten path, but the movie Hustle on Netflix, I watched it this morning. Excellent, excellent movie. Uh, Adam Sandler was phenomenal in a more serious role. Uh, And then you had a lot of Wolves connections. Juancho Hernan Gomez was the co-lead with Adam Sandler. Tremendous actor. I mean, these guys are so multi-talented. And then Anthony Edwards, of course, was one of the key characters as well. Uh, really, really good. I think uh, they have, Ant has uh, a lot of uh, other opportunities off the basketball court uh, during and following his his career. It was a really, really good movie. Uh, everybody should check it out. Hustle on Netflix. And then Dave Benz, who sadly, inexplicably was let go by Fox Sports North. His contract wasn't renewed. I don't know who they're going to get that's better than him, especially the great chemistry he had with Jim Pete, who's the best color guy in the business. But uh, yeah, check out Hustle. There's some Dave Benz clips at the end. Last thing, quick. Uh, I really want to see it for Ant's villain turn. Yes. Uh, But it actually, we can say this for another date, but it does raise the question of, is Ant the most marketable Minnesota athletes. Yeah, he probably the is. last 20 years. Him or JJ. We're going to get kicked off, though. We've got to go. That was a fun episode. For Matt Calvin, I'm Marshall Kellner. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.